Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter, and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer, and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hello, how are you doing? I nearly said hello, darling. I can call you darling. Hello, darling. <laughs> how are you doing? Uh, how is your day going so far? Are you listening in the morning as I am recording this? It's morning time. It's uh, 10 to 11. Uh, or maybe it's afternoon where you are now, or even evening, or even night. I listen to quite a lot of podcasts at night, actually. I sometimes find it a little bit hard to drop off. So I've been listening to a lot of podcasts that I, uh, yeah, just to drop off. I'm trying to think what I've been listening to at the moment. Oh, I've been listening to, I don't know if you will have um, listened to this episode, but I spoke, uh, must have been last year, to a BBC journalist called B- um, Helen Merriman. And she, we had a lovely chat, um, but she does a brilliant podcast called Room 5, which I've been listening to. I, I think it's was published, I don't think I'm listening to them as they're published. I think it just finished its series, but... There was a couple I missed, so I've been listening to some of them. I've also been listening to uh, Hannah Fry's science podcast, which I really like. And uh, yeah, just being kept company. So where are you right now? What are you up to? Uh, Have you had a productive day today? No matter how much of it you've been up for. For me, at nearly 11, it's been okay. I took the kids to school this morning it's starting to get a bit cold out there. I hear it's in for another cold snap this week. Not quite the kind of minus three we had before Christmas, but we might be heading for like not that far above zero, which quite frankly, I'm not happy about. Coats, yes. Gloves and hats, no. I'd rather not, thanks. Especially in the mornings. I have to get the kids out the door. My eldest two leave the house by half past seven. 
7.40 latest. And then the next two, I walk them to school and we leave at about half eight. And, and Mickey as well, if he's got nursery that day, which is most days now. And, you know, it's still a bit dark. It's still a bit cold. It's been a bit rainy. Yeah, it's just much easier when the sky is blue. Actually, after all my complaining about the weather, today's been a nice sunny day. And uh, what else has been going on? Well, I'm having quite a quiet start to the new year, but it's very much kind of calm before the storm because I know I'm about to do things like the artwork for my album and a, and a video for the albums. So the album's coming out in the um, early summer and I'm doing a shoot next week for the cover art and I can't wait. And I've got a really cool idea and I'm hoping it all comes to fruition as I see it in my mind's eye. Because if it does, then I think you're going to love it. And I don't know what I've shared with you already. So basically the album, uh, it was started to be, I started writing it just before I took a trip in 2020 with my mum and my eldest boy, Sunny, and we went to Tokyo. So the album kind of had a, a sort of idea of what that trip would be about, both in terms of seeing Japan for the first time, but also uh, travelling with my family. But that, that you know, those three generations. Um so that was kind of the groundwork of it. So I wanted the I want the artwork to reflect that. So you'll have to wait and see, I guess. But yeah, hopefully we've got a really cool thing. And I've also I've recorded some of my radio show this week, my kitchen disco that I do for BBC Sounds, which is always a lovely thing to do because it's just putting together lots of lovely party music. And the other thing I've been doing is firing off emails left, right, and centre to people that I think would be good for the pod. Oh got some corkers I'm so excited I've just I've been thinking about you know what professions I think would be really interesting to hear you know combined with parenthood and I think I've got some really good ones for you I even asked the kids actually and they had a good idea so I followed that lead as well so wait wait and see but let's see if it all comes together but feeling good not to mention I've already recorded well actually the majority of the series is already done I've got the other dates in the diary so you know feeling good and the nice thing is that so often with the conversation for the podcast. In fact, I did one this week and I come away from a lot of the chats feeling really energised, quite focused because a lot of the women I speak to end up being they're quite dynamic uh, and quite go-getter. And then sometimes I just get very nice and sort of soothed and comforted, like with the guest I've spoken to for this week, which is Keris Matthews. And I'm sure you're very familiar with Keris's voice, but she's got such a beautiful Welsh accent and the melody that accompanies that accent. There's a lovely melodic quality to Welsh. It's just very, very soothing. So that was a joy. Um, we spoke on Zoom. I'm not 100% certain I've ever actually met Keris in the flesh, although we will have definitely been in the same rooms at the same time because Keris, you know, her, her singing career, her music career, was at its peak with Catatonia uh, when the audience, my first band, was starting out. So I was always sort of aware of Keris and, you know, the music was actually pretty inescapable in the sort of late noughties. I know what I'm talking about, late noughties, late nineties, I meant to say, got my decades muddled up. Um, you know, very much the sound of that time. And I always really liked Keris and thought she was interesting. So I kind of kept an eye on her when she went solo after the band um, split up and went to Nashville and did albums like Cocker Hoop and went more to the folky side of things. And then with her radio career, because she currently broadcasts on radios two, four, and six. And uh, we listened to her on a six music show. And it's lovely. And if you haven't listened to it, I really recommend it. So Keris has got three kids, two boys, one girl. They're now all teenage. 
she lives geographically not that far from me so she's I'm in West London she's in West London but we spoke on Zoom and it was really lovely we do talk a little bit about Christmas because it was just in the build up to Christmas it was in December that we chatted so I hope you can handle your Christmas chat in January but um, yeah she's just got such a beautiful way of talking and thinking about things oh and we also spoke about a new book she's done which is a children's um, well it was with children in mind and adaptation of Dylan Thomas's Under Milkwood with beautiful illustrations. So check that out. It's gorgeous. And I did wear it, read it to my, my littlest one, actually. It's quite a good bedtime book because Dylan Thomas's words, again, they just, they just flow. It's completely lovely. So yeah, settle down. Maybe it might be a good, good cup of tea chat, this one, and, um, or like a warm coffee or a, you know, hot chocolate or something. It's definitely the audio equivalent. And I will see you on the other side. Thank you for your time. No, um, we can we can have a lovely chat. And thank you so much. I've been really looking forward to speaking yeah, to you today. Same, same. <laughs> so why don't we start with the here and now? What are you up to at the moment? Tell me everything. Well, it is the first of December when we're talking, and mm. at this time of year, it starts sort of time starts pelting quite quite yes. a lot. Um, so I make I make radio shows primarily at the moment. That's what I do, and you have to do double shows in order to be able to put enough in the bank for you to stop i mean in in terms of recorded recorded material not money um it's enough for you to stop over christmas so i'm in full-on christmas mode as it is which and you curate all of your own shows don't you you do all of it yourself yeah yeah so that's a big labor of love big passion it is it's brilliant and especially with with one particular streaming platform which is spotify it's so fast you can reference so many songs and keep ahead of new releases so much faster than before where you're well I'm still you know you're still like juggling different formats and you know, a vinyl and CDs and then WAV files that come through via you know email and stuff so it's it's quite it's quite interesting actually but how much faster it's got recently yeah and I, I love that but it does quite often end up with being cross-eyed a bit because you're staring say, and overwhelming, isn't scrolling it? so many songs so sometimes yes. I go oh, okay I've got to I've got to stop and do something else yeah I just need to do something else yeah and tell me about Under Milk Wood because the book arrived this week and it's absolutely beautiful were you familiar with it yes I did it at school probably like a lot of people actually but I forgot how beautiful Dylan Thomas's language is it's just mesmeric actually you sort of get into this little trance of it it's just beautiful um because did you go to school in england i did yeah do you know what i i grew up in swansea so if you know swansea it's got a very wide crescent shaped bay um and it runs to the mumbles and there's a pub run as well in mumbles but anyway i i never studied dylan thomas at school so oh, really? when people, I thought it was a no, a no. Thing. So like when people like yourself say, "Yeah, we did it in school," I was like, "Oh, you lucky things!" I I, I didn't, so it's quite funny. Um, so it took me until I had my well, I was pregnant with my first child, Glennis, who's now nineteen, and I found a little miniature of a child's Christmas by Dylan Thomas on a Christmas tree when I was living out in South Carolina. <laughs> like so it's pretty late on finding Dylan Thomas especially growing up where he grew up exactly with the same view and I just was like 
like you say, the, the way he writes and the images that, that just bubble up in your mind when you read his work and the things that stay in your mind. Um, he, he's a kind of writer in the same way, I think, as say James Joyce and Ulysses or, um, the works of Robert Burns or, um, Langston Hughes, that they, they have phrases that kind of stick quite easily in your mind. Yeah. And you run along your life with these lines and it makes, you know, humdrum a, a little more rich um, when you think about them or when you're reminded of them. And so, yeah, I fell in love with Dylan Thomas's work at that point. And then since then, I, I've, I've sort of been catching up and I, I love putting this together. It's funny you say that about the language sort of running alongside, because even now, if it's a nice morning, then it pops into my head about Rosie Finger Dawn. And I think there's lots of things like that where they have this sort of like, I think that came from Homer and that, that was sort of yeah. the same thing. It was like a long piece that's designed to be memorised. So you have these little drop points, little drop anchors that are designed to kind of help you. If you were reciting it, they would be like, these are the bits of repetition. Yeah. No, absolutely. And they just stay with you, don't they? When you see a nice dawn, that comes straight into your mind and and it makes you feel good somehow. Yeah. And I think... The whole thing of Dylan Thomas is this undermilk wood. I didn't realise as well, because when I was when I got the book, I kind of looked again at the history of that, and I I didn't realise he was writing it from when he was young all the way up to just before he died, and he didn't finish the last bit of the poem until it was just about to be performed for the first time. Yeah, yeah until the curtains were about to be raised. Yeah, and, How incredible and that, is that he started writing it when he was at school, you know, as a child himself. But then he did wow. write some of his big hitting poems as a teenager you know the really heavy intense ones and if you visit mm. his house which you can do it's been renovated back to 1940s um in uh, Cumdonkin Park in Swansea um if you visit there you'll see his, his room's not much bigger than a single bed it's literally the box room and you think mm. about this little tussle head boy um with way too much energy never liked going to school but had an English teacher as a father so he was devouring you know the classics Dickens and Shakespeare and everything and you can hear once you start reading and and Proust as well you can hear in his work all these writers once you start reading them you're like okay they're all reading each other's work they're just like musicians you know they're like magpies exactly yeah And I mean, talking about that, so that, that takes you back to your own child. And funnily enough, my producer for the podcast, Claire Jones, yeah. she's from Mumbles. Is she? Um, she is. So she talks about it really fondly. And it's interesting hearing you say that you actually discovered Dylan Thomas when you were pregnant with your first baby, because I always talk to people about what was happening in their life at that time. So you were in America. And how yeah. did that make you feel about, about home when you're somewhere else for a while, like when you're reflecting back to your childhood and... The place where you came from well it does take you to you know it takes distance and time in order to really appreciate what elements make up what home is to you or what what things you value like it took me living out in america for almost six years to really love this strange place called britain and 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 things like the BBC, which simply you you thirst for and hunger for when you're in a country like America, um, yeah, and, and it, it sort of really makes you suddenly reassess everything when when you live quite far away. 
for quite a long time. And especially when you start having children as well. And you think wherever they're going to be brought up, they are going to become part of that cultural norm and social norms yeah. that, that are held in that country. Um, and so that that all of that and many more things made me sort of come back to the UK to bring the children up. But yeah, so that's that's why with the Dylan Thomas stuff, I think, being so far away and reading this guy and realising that, you know, time disappears when you read a great piece of work and then it can be relevant to you in 2022, to him in 1940, um, to somebody living in, I don't know, a village in Taiwan or Cameroon just as much as as you identify with it because ultimately mm. they're talking about humanity and, yeah. and and all of like all of our troubles and strife but also um the good things about life because when I was working on Under Milkwood and, and trying to make it because I didn't want to I didn't want to lose the basically it's using Dylan Thomas's text um because you wouldn't want to change that but I wanted it to be a bite-sized piece so that you didn't have to wait till you were older to read it. And mm-hmm. so that I could share it with really young children as a bedtime story because it's kind of perfect. It's, it's, it's 24 hours in the life of, of these <laughs> wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, and when I d- distilled it down, it, it sort of became obvious that it was a, it was a story about love and hope. I mean, he describes Laregib as um, this place of love, mm. and and that's that's really what I want. When you know, when you read something like Good Night Moon, oh yeah, did you I read that Good one? Night Moon. I yeah, love yeah. that story. I love. We still read that. Oh, there's something so innocent, but wise, but evergreen and and powerful about that Good Night Moon. That and that. And what you have together again it's it's about the phrases and the power of yes. words and imagination and belonging and, and everything that and then I you have that, that in common so with your children you know yeah. good night bowl of mush old lady yeah, whispering good night, hush. nobody I like the good, good night, night nobody. spoon good night cow jumping over the moon I mean you just carry them with you and they carry yeah. it with them and they hopefully will pass it on to their children so in those magical moments when hopefully you can down tools as a carer Mm -hmm. and you're with this mind that hasn't yet had to deal with the complexities of the troubles and the injustice of the world, then that is such a untouched and and potent moment to fill with these wonderful texts and wonderful writing and ideas and images that will never leave them. You know, and that they That's can pass true. on, and and under Milkwood, I think, is it just gave the opportunity to to make a book like that for times like that, and I, I it took me ages, <laughs> it took me ages to persuade the owners of the rights to under Milkwood to to see, but I did an audio version of it, and they were like, okay, now we get it, let's go, perfect. Oh, that's so lovely, and I love that what you're saying there as well about. That thing when you, as you say, when your children are small and they're innocent to so much of, as you say, the sort of complexities and the sort of, the stuff you know they're going to have to greet at some point in their life, but you've got that bit where they're just small and you can just layer in all these lovely, beautiful, exciting things that come from the words of, you know, people who've lived a life and experienced things, but they can still 
get through those really beautiful layers of, you know, the good stuff in life and art and poetry and imagination and possibility and excitement. You just sort of put as much of that in as possible. And mischief, you know. Yes, that's like, true. You think God, about yes, mischief, fairy yes. tales as well. Like, yeah. They're wicked. I mean, oh literally word, wicked. Are. And they're scary. <laughs> and they're, they've got evil in them and things. But yeah. when you're safe and you're in your duvet or when you're cuddled with your teddy bear and your mum or your dad or your carer or your uncle, your auntie, your brother, your sister, whatever is there with you, it's good to be. You can feel all of the emotion spectrum of emotions, you know, because you're safe. I think that's the difference, and that's yes. why. So in 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 under Milkwood, I mean, there's there's so much detail in it because we had to cull down. I mean, it was horrible to do it. Some of the best like text, but we had to make it work so that a little one wouldn't lose interest. That would be the worst, you know. He had to keep it just. A, it was cherry yeah. picking, you know, but keeping the story. No, you've done a beautiful job. It really did, works. And the did illustrations. You, did your children Nothing. like them? Have you read yeah, it to your yeah. children? Yeah, yeah. My 10-year-old was looking through it this morning, actually. And he's an avid reader and he will definitely devour it. But I think as well my 7-year-old will really like it. Um, mm. Actually, I might even try a bit of it with Mickey because I do a bedtime story with him every night. He's three. Yeah, oh, please um, do. Yeah. Because there's bits in it, like you mentioned the illustrations. They're by Kate Evans. So she's based in um, Bristol. Uh, but her grandfather, that was weird. I didn't know this. So I picked her out because her work is quite old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. And I wanted it to be quite timeless, mm. um, as is the story in a sense. And um, also deal with all the detail that we had to lose through the text. So you can go through the book and you'll find a woman with trotters as feet. Mm-hmm. And you'll find, um, you know, clouds of black flower and you can find dandruff and nail pairings and bottle tops and buttons (laughs) and ancient Welsh instruments flying around. All the detail that's in the text that we couldn't fit into a bedtime story, they're all in the illustrations. And the kids, they love pointing them like mice with gloves on and things. Yeah. Yeah, no, so, all of that uh, stuff. Those, those, those are the best things, aren't they, where you keep finding new things. It kind of reminded me a little bit of a sort of my, my childhood memory of something like the Eleanor Rigby video where there's lots of things happening and it's kind of got quirky little moments where you're kind of looking at the detail and trying to work it out. Because I like the fact that, as you say, I think what you said about feeling scared when you know you're safe is such a, a really, oh, what's the word? It's quite a gleeful moment of childhood, actually. I used to always like that feeling like... I remember the first time I took one of my kids to a pantomime that was a bit scary and he got a bit <laughs> scared. And one of my mum's friend leant down to him and said, but isn't it nice being scared when you know you're safe, really? I thought, that's it. That's what yeah. that is. It's actually quite a nice feeling, isn't it, when you look at something and it's got a kind of quality to it that makes you feel a bit like like a little shiver in a good way. I yeah, no, that. for sure. You've just yeah. reminded me of being in um, in Billy Elliot. We went to see the theatre production of Billy Elliot and I think my journey was going to be more than about six and I had to take him out of the auditorium because there was that sad bit when the mother visits, the ghost of the mother visits Billy. Okay, and you know, I haven't I, actually seen that. I know I'm oh probably like gosh. in the like 2% of people who haven't no. seen Billy Elliot, but... <laughs> no, it was this really poignant moment and mm. quite sad. And poor, my poor John, is he's such a sensitive lad. He just was crying so much, he was oh. choking. He couldn't stop crying. He was so sad. I had to ball him up in my arms and take him out and, you know... Yeah. Make sure he knew it was a theatre story, but then actually people are in heaven and it's fine. We'll all go to heaven, hopefully. And, you know, all these kind of yeah. things to try and make him feel all right. Because as, as a six-year-old, he's like, how come his mom is dead? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, really I remember hard. watching, do you know a film called The Champ? 
Do you remember The Champ? It's a boxing film. Yeah. And in that, the dad dies. And I, I found that absolutely devastating. I think when you're small, the idea of a parent dying is just like... Yeah, yeah it's horrifying. Like, oh, I didn't realise that can happen, thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so That's now your in the kids, bubble. Exactly. <laughs> um, so are your kids, I was trying to work, are they 19 and 18 and 13? Is that right? Pretty much 19, 17 and a half. Okay. And... Uh, just turned 13 yes okay yeah. so you've got it's funny because you're probably at a stage that when they were small you used to sort of think about like oh one day there'll be a bit where they're all in their teens because I know I sort of sometimes think ahead to how old they're going to be at certain points and having them all in their teens is quite a significant bit isn't it yeah oh definitely you're, you're no longer on all fours trying to mm. get food from the underside of tables and chairs and skirts <laughs> and boots <laughs> You're more yeah. likely to be like getting phone calls saying, uh, can you come and pick up so-and-so? <laughs> <laughs> um, or, um, or uh, do you know, it's, I, I, I love having teenagers, but it is a total roller coaster. Mm-hmm. Like one minute, it, you're like, oh, I love this. I love this so much. We can yeah. share clothes or we're watching the same programs and the same level and they're very funny. You know, and they're watching, they're, in, you know, giving me music to listen to and you know, stuff to look out for and helping me with various, you know, new emerging trends and stuff. Then the next minute is complete breakdown mm-hmm. because there's still, it, it's still quite raw, the world and, and everything that's going on. And, and they're like, yeah. then, so it's really an interesting roller coaster at the minute. Yeah. Well, my eldest two are 18 and 13. So I have a bit of that. In fact, that means we must have had our first babies around the same time. So 2004 was my my eldest so you must yeah, have been 2003, 2003. yeah so yeah. what was happening in your life at that time did you always want to have babies yeah oh yeah I'm one of four and I've always loved um babies <laughs> and <laughs> I, I like the um I like the riot and the rebellious nature of toddlers mm-hmm. um, yeah it's yeah there's no holding them back is there they're just absolutely wild and you're kind of rooting for them even though you're also trying to get them to you know be where they need to be or do what you need to do or whatever you're kind of rooting for that the rebelliousness I'm always kind of like slightly on their side too like yeah sure question everything why not (laughs) except for when you're on a long-haul plane oh there's loads of times where it's acceptable but yeah (laughs) oh my gosh like the worst okay my worst parenting experience was on a long haul flight because I was at the time I had two children in America so living in um, South Carolina and then Tennessee and most of my work was still in this country so I was traveling back and forth with two children both still in nappies and there wow. was one particular and uh, my children were motion sick a lot and then you would be traveling as a single parent with two little ones and everyone would be like oh they're so cute you want a cookie you want a cookie and they'd be eating the worst diet diet and i was really i i, I didn't realize the um, value of a regimented diary let's say uh, <laughs> i didn't have any <laughs> kind no, of routine either. whatsoever no. so um Anyway, we'd be on a long-haul plane and they'd be eating all this sweet stuff and then they were motion sick, so I'd always have to take extra pairs of clothing with me. But anyway, this one time I was so exhausted and I, I'd fallen asleep and then I, there was a tap on my shoulder and it was like, Ma'am, is that, ba- is that baby in the aisle your baby? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, 
Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And I was... Where's the other child as well looking everywhere? She was the toddler of two, you know, but she's all right. Wow. She's on the... Anyway. Well, that's that impressive having the... I mean, that's like not a very big gap between them. And I guess, you know, nothing takes you into the moment, the here and now, like having very young children. Like you haven't got much time to... You're just kind of in it, aren't you, at that time? It's just your full whole on. world. Are those full days. On. Yes, full really on. full on. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners or odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I don't know about you, but also, so... I first became aware of you when I was in my first band. So I was in a band called The Audience and you were so successful. Like, Catatonia were just everywhere. So I always used to look up to you and see what you were up to. And then I think my solo career was when Catatonia were having... Actually, I think, because you did you break up in 2001? Yeah. And then? Yeah. Okay, so same yeah. sort of time. So for me, when I had Sonny, my eldest, it was like everything I'd done before he was born suddenly became like part of this like old life like old chapter and it kind of almost made me start again a little bit in terms of thinking about what I wanted to do and where I wanted to head and what bits of my previous music and career were really important to me like these are the bits I really have to can't sacrifice and then the other bits were like I haven't got time for that anymore did you find it it helped clarify things in that way or was it a different thing for you it's an interesting question I'd left the band 
before I went to America, and that kind of cleared the, the, the slate for me completely because mm-hmm. I decided at the time I saw it was probably a good decision to just start again, ground zero, um, and leave all of the hubbub of of the band and sort of a, a nightlife behind. And and I lived, I literally lived in a cabin in in the woods with no. Um, running water or anything for oh, wow for the first year i was in america that was in tennessee and just outside of nashville in a place called white's creek um what was that like then, at that time was that was it kind of did it feel really good to kind of go just to do something completely different like that oh my gosh it felt amazing like it was really it's, i don't think back on it now but because it, it's it was it's really an a massive change in my life a massive turning point but it it meant that I could just get rid of all of the sort of pressures of um being a business as part of a band and touring constantly and losing my voice constantly and not really dealing very well with the attention to say the least to leaving all that behind and um just getting back to the music that's amazing living in the cabin well I mean, it's that's... probably quite selfish, actually, thinking back. And I do feel a bit guilty about that. But I had to do it for, for sanity's sake. Yeah. But um, it's also very brave because you're basically just going, like, I know there's something in me that knows I need this. And actually, being selfish when it means that you can be in a better place afterwards is better for everybody. So I would, I would argue there's, there's like a real merit in that for everyone that knows you and loves you actually it's good it's a good thing isn't it long term yeah I think you're more useful if you're able to be a positive um addition to the world you know (laughs) definitely definitely (laughs) rather than like a scattergun cannonball um so yeah so I went just to to the US and found a tiny little rural place studio I happened to um find sort of solace in a, a place with um bob dylan's pedal steel player bucky baxter who then kind of encouraged me got my confidence back with songwriting surrounded me with some of the you know emerging musicians in tennessee at the time as well as some of the big guns um byron house and um richard bennett that play with the likes of neil diamond and um Dolly Parton and people like that and just literally just sit around fires and, and pick <laughs> like yeah. pick mandolins and, and st- oh, it was it was just the best thing ever and then during that good. time as good well I was able to do oh it was so good you'd love it I mean any musician would love it cause it was literally just saying okay let's go back to the basics and yeah. let, let's just just chase the music you love and, exactly. and go exploring and and then I went on loads of road trips and I love, you know, jazz and blues. And so it gave me the chance mm. to, to, to go into the swamps of Louisiana and um, hang out with Zydeco and Cajun musicians as well. So it's and it's it's lovely now coming back to the UK that I'm able to share all of that as records that I bought with me on the on the radio shows, you know. So it's it's it makes sense now. But I didn't know what I was doing then. Isn't that amazing how life can do that where something you do ends up actually making a lot of sense because there's so much of what you've said <clears throat> I can see has really led you to this point. I mean, we we love your radio show. Your Six Music Show is part of our Sunday. Oh, thank you I know so it's, much. it's so good. And um, I think I can really see 
Oh, well, from the outside looking in, it seems like you're in a really good spot and very content. And just the way you could just pull in all these different elements and... I don't know, just sort of really sort of seep it all in, all the richness that's out there in the world. And like what you said before about you know, the best, the art can be art can be so incredible for joining up the dots of, as you say, what is to yeah. be human and stories yeah. and perspective. And I've always, always loved that about music. But also I can really identify with what you're saying about when things are all in a swirl and suddenly your music career becomes part of a, a corporate angle commodity yes and suddenly the music and the stories you want to tell and the fun of it starts to really diminish and you feel this sort of I mean I I went through quite a lot of um I had quite a lot of panic attacks around yeah around 2000 um 2001 when things were going a little bit fast and I was a bit like I'm not you don't really have a chance to process if it's even what you want because everybody's so busy telling you that that this is all the good stuff and your diary is so busy isn't that wonderful and yeah. you're a bit like I don't know is it I haven't seen my family and friends for a while and I don't really feel like I've got a lot of control over what's going on I mean I don't know if that's how you felt about it that's how that's how I perceived it at the time not not the and, happiest and, really and being interviewed as well oh and, yes and and being held up to scrutiny mm. and I don't know about you but I mean the whole reason I love music and art is because I can lose myself in it mm. and forget troubles and, and and find solace and hope and all the rest of it so to, to be stood and questioned on it and 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 then have to share I'm quite shy you know so um it's it's really odd being uh, questioned and, and made, made to think, you know, I, f- I find it quite, I'm, I feel like squirming a bit. And then you, you think about the old interviews you did, because, you know, you do um, you do a lot of interviews when you're lucky enough to have, you know, chart success and stuff, don't you? And there was one, there was one day when I was in this really modern German hotel, which had... It was so modern that it had no soft furnishings at all. So it was a really rigid, really rigid bed, like a plastic blind. And I kid you not, it was like a, a sheet of metal as a desk and an industrial chair as a chair. Wow. And it was, it was a brick um, wall that had been sort of um, raw, in the raw edge of the brick had been renovated. And, I, and then it was back to back interviews. You know, why did you write this song? What is this line about? Why do you think this did? And then the whole day was like that. And I honestly, I was like, oh my goodness, this is so weird. <laughs> this is just so weird. And in the room, everything was echoing as well. And it just felt so odd. But it is an odd way of making a living. Definitely. Really. I think it's good to have that perspective, actually. Definitely. <laughs> and I know as well that when I had kids, I really liked the fact that a lot of that stuff I could really I sort of cl- could clear out in my head making that stuff important and I can now just sort of like when something's a bit absurd it's like well that's fine because I go home to something that's very very real very real yeah I that's <laughs> and that's exactly what I was gonna you asked me and I give you a really long answer that didn't answer your question but you asked about the the, the effect of having children and then in my from my perspective they became an anchor as soon as Glennis was born, there was an anchor. And all of a sudden, there was the responsibility shifted that I had to to make decisions because 
now I had her to look after and it made sense of everything. Yeah, isn't that amazing? It's very powerful, that. And actually that thing, of I mean, there's lots of ways people can find anchors in their life, but yes, I think for me, the same thing. And I think, um, like you, I'm from quite a big family and I think just having that around me makes me feel quite safe, actually. And I like the fact that it just turns any any silliness in the outside world about about my work side of things, it can just reduce that to like, it just gives good perspective basically on lots of stuff, yeah. I think. And and you know what you do as well and what you've done with a, with sharing that most noblest thing, which is love and trust and pure enjoyment of music together in a home with your kitchen discos is just <laughs> exactly what, you know, that I think most of us realise that all of the headlines and the click clickbaits and the celebrityness and and all of this kind of thing is not really real but that the real thing is who you surround yourself with on a daily basis um and and we're not we're not reminded of that because it doesn't make anyone any money mm-hmm. you know and it's not it's not the free zone of excitement that is that untouchable thing that somehow humans can attend to gravitate to or want, want to worship at but you know, essentially for, for for us all, I think it's that it's those moments that really matter. Yes, definitely. You know, like Christmas, I think that's what we what makes Christmas, even if you're not Christian, so special, like year on year on year. It's like yeah. you're hoping that those that you get the chance at one at least one moment where it's it's all about community, you know community or relationships or, you know, that that moment of belonging. Yes, and having other family around and yeah, I love all and that. Have an too. eggnog. Do you have everybody around to yours? Is it? Do you host it? Mm, I did last. Oh my god, I did last year, and I was in a right state. So <laughs> I did. I did. A, <laughs> do you know what? Let me tell you something. I have had a what is it? A eureka moment this year. Mm-hmm. My problem is like you think about Christmas, and as a host, you want to do. You want you want to perpetuate all the things that you think make the best Christmas, mm-hmm. right? So you have to do. We're, we don't eat meat, so we have to do Yorkshire puddings. You have to do the stuffing balls. You mm-hmm. do all of the things, the, the pickled cabbage, <laughs> the cheap bread, bread, what do you call it? Bread sauce from oh, the yeah. packets that we always used to have. Everything has to be what it used to be in the eight, like uh, Swansea eight, 1980s <laughs> Christmas. Is you end up with a tiny little city oven trying to be cooking about 20 different courses, <laughs> not courses, but 20 different sides for one <laughs> Christmas lunch. And it has to be the right. And, and then, you end up knackered because you've already been working double shifts to get the radio shows in the bank ready to <laughs> take the break. And then and then you're sort of 53 years of age, which is what I am now, and you've got all of that emotional, hormonal gear change going on as well. And then last year I was just like, I can't deal with, I can't deal, <laughs> I can't deal, and I had to go for a long walk, you know. So th- th- my eureka moment this year is... I'm a working person. I'm going to save up money and I'm going to buy a chef, like the, the services of a chef to come in, not on Christmas Day, but on the 28th of December. Oh my gosh, why haven't I thought <laughs> of that before? I can't be I can't be chef and be a mom and be like a host and be, you know, everything, the shopper and be a working person and everything and make a really relaxed Christmas. Why is it taking me <laughs> 25 Christmases to realise that? Actually, at this point, 
why not get a professional in to help? <laughs> I was just going to say, it's amazing. It takes like, I mean, that means that, yeah, that's a good revelation, but you probably could have done with some of that like a decade ago. <laughs> like, just don't feel you have to be all things to all people all the time. <laughs> you know, can you say that again? So um, it's, 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 you don't have to feel like you have to be all things to all people all, all the time. But I think, Amen. yeah, it's a thing that it, it takes a while. And even when you say it out loud and believe it, you still end up trying a bit. And it's yeah. I mean, apart from the, um, the packets of bread sauce and stuff, are there other ways that you've sort of tried to introduce elements of your own childhood with your, I mean, it must have been strange when you had your first kids and you were somewhere that wasn't the place where you grew up. Or is that, did that really not really matter that much? I suppose it's just an adventure, isn't it? It it is an adventure, but it gets quite serious when they're about school age and they're about to join the school system. Mm. What what it really helped with, though, to be honest, was um, you really realise family, Mm. you know, and having help, um, how important that is. Oh, yes. Um, Because when you're away, you don't have your relatives nearby, so... Mm -mm. Mm -mm. No, no, no. And also, you know, if you have time in nurseries and good nurseries and the help, the professional help in terms of you know nurseries and stuff that are oh, you like going around with thank you thank you so much <laughs> but um but with Christmas yeah it's kind of a mixed bag really because basically everyone's got different Christmases and we're a blended family now as well so there's a whole lot of the, oh well so and so does a better Christmas <laughs> or we do this in America or we do this in that house or we do this so it's like arguments over like when and how many presents you're meant to oh, o- yeah. open up what time of day and that kind of thing but, well I grew up with two Christmases and um, it encouraged me to think of it as a season not a day which I think has been quite helpful <gasps> I love that idea. Yeah, because otherwise it's and too stressful. Actually, it's just too stressful. It's so stressful and it's meant it's meant to be enjoyable. Yeah. And so, yeah, I like the idea that it doesn't, doesn't all have to happen on that 25th. Yes. That actually, I prefer that lull or the, or the lead up to and then the lull after. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And what do you do for New Year's? Do you have a big to-do? Mm, no, not really. I'm not I'm the biggest fan of New Year's. So my favourite is actually to be working or just at home with like, fish and chips and and telly on because <laughs> I don't really I don't really go to like part, a New Year's Eve party or something no it's too much pressure the on cues. the evening to be something also if you go to a party sometimes you've got either to like midnight either seems like it comes around a bit early and you're not quite ready for that big woohoo or it feels like it takes <laughs> ages to get to that point and then you're like okay now can we go depending yes. on how good the night is I guess so yeah, I've had a really mixed yeah. bag with New Year's, so I've, I'm happiest yet either working, so I know where I've got to be and just get that and have some fun with that, or just at home, thank you. Yeah, yeah same. It's not a big thing I always me. feel like the New Year should be, like, around springtime anyway. Oh, yes. Because that really feels like a beginning of a new year. Also, I always feel a bit sad after New Year's Eve, same. and it's all cold in January, and you're like, Mm, everything feels a bit blue doesn't it like mm. <laughs> it doesn't yeah, make me fill empty. me with optimism but if there was little oh, new yeah. buds we've on, got February to come exactly but if oh, there was like spring you know. and new buds on the on the trees you'd be thinking oh yes new beginnings I can do this it's true spring's my favourite I like spring a lot um, yeah I do as well just to ask you though with um, I was thinking because you do for a living something that's also a passion and has been there since you were small have you ever sort of struggled to give it space like, did it did it come easily to you to go back into work after you'd had your kids or to work alongside raising them? Or was it something that was quite tricky to, to give room to? Um, yeah, it's it's um, it is so tricky. And 
And it's only just sort of stopped now with the kids being older that you can go, oh, <laughs> there's food in the fridge. Do you mind, you know, you can you can cook now. They're, they're really good cooks, oh, the older good. children. Yeah, really good cooks. So that's cool. And I love cooking. So that's one thing I've, thankfully, they've kind of been able to share and, and pick up on as well because my mum loved cooking as well. But, um, yeah, no, that... Honestly, so what was it, who was it that said it years and years ago, or maybe it was me? I don't know, but I want a wife. Oh, when you said it to me in an email, you mean? And you said, "Next time I'm coming back as a man, and I'm going to have myself a wife." <laughs> did I say that in an email? You to did. You? And I was like, "That's brilliant!" <laughs> it made me laugh out loud. That's, yeah, I was like, Good "I know plan. it's sexist. I know it's sexist, and it's of this era, but it still feels that way. It's like." It just still feels like the onus to, to keep the balls in the air. I don't know if it does in your household, but it certainly does in mine. Um, and with my friends that are working people, it, it's just, it's a lot. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that's, um, I think that's very much how a lot of people feel. And of course you get um, relationships and dynamics in families that are different. But I definitely surprised myself by how traditional a lot of the roles are within my own family. That I didn't think I was going to fall into the same dynamic. Because, you know, yeah. um, you, you have all the conversations about, uh, you know, all the options that you have available to you. And yet, I've still fallen into the same, the same trap. And it's a tricky one because uh, sometimes I want to be across everything because... I don't want to let on the bits that I'm finding difficult or the fact that I'm struggling to keep up because in my head I feel like a lot of other people are nailing all of it. So therefore I have to try and nail it too. So Yeah, and especially that's what you're seeing when people share these perfect moments and families on you know, on Instagram yeah. and things and you're like, Oh gosh, well you know, and I'm not seeing the fallouts and the nah. and the sulks and the and the tears. But it's there. The... It's definitely there. I don't think that real yeah. thing exists where it's all perfect all the time. I don't think it does. Or someone that's completely no. across it all. I think it's actually quite nice no. when you know how to delegate. Delegating is an important thing. Well, that's isn't it? that's really difficult. But the, the, what's really interesting as well, at the older I've got anyway, is seeing how how much of the influence of the the patterns that you've been brought up within mm. you you that they are just so deeply instilled that it's really hard like you know the idea that to delegate or to get a you know a nanny or a you know a, a permanent member that helps you with housekeeping mm. or something like that I wasn't brought up that way so it's really hard because that's in my, my mind that's that's what the mum does mm. because that's a pattern that I was brought up with and so it's really hard to undo that without thinking oh Oh no, but that's something. Oh, that you know, it's it's always hard to give it up, yes, and to delegate and and to say that's not that's it can can be a norm, or you can ask for help because it you know because you're not used to it, you've never considered it before. No, um, so it's really and also you know, but if whatever you know, the things you do, there's lots of stuff you get up to, and it all needs time and care and headspace. So you know, you you're the first person to live exactly your life. So you can't really copy and paste what happened before anyway, because that's no. a different person and a different set of, you know, all the all the variables were different. Uh, was your mum a working? And mom? yet they have did huge. She, did she work? She was amazing, actually. She she started 
going back to college um, to do a course, a teaching course, um, when she had four children and the youngest was three. Wow. And I know, when I think about it, and she was full full-time mother mm-hmm. um, of four, from four to 11, I think our ages were, and she did that course and then started working as a teacher. Um, so I would have been, oh, I don't know, 16 when she went to work. So, so yeah, a little bit of both, yeah. basically. She probably did that because as well, the hours could work quite well with with you guys and being home in the evenings and in the morning a bit. Yeah. Well, she she's a she's a pretty bright lady um, and she, she got married very young and had children very young and she brought up in a council estate and I think it, she had the opportunity then to... to, to push her education yeah. and she she ran with it which is I'm just so in yeah, awe of fantastic that. and I guess if she's you know looking outside of herself like that she's probably also well possibly a part of the reason why you're so into your books and reading and exploring do you think you got that a bit from your mum yeah well my <clears> mum but also my, my dad my dad's a huge influence like my dad was kind of a beat oh, really yeah for sure That's cool. and like he loves Spain he 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 loved potholing. Oh, wow. I mean, okay. what's that all about? <laughs> I haven't tried it. Potholing. Maybe it's a whale of a time. Um. <laughs> mm. I'm now obsessed with this. funny. My dad died about two years ago, and I'm now obsessed with reading books about exploration and mountaineering. Oh, but you've done I'm that as bit, well, haven't you? Um, haven't you done a bit of mountaineering? Yeah. Yeah, we walked to... I took my boys when they were nine and 12, and we walked up to Everest Space Camp. That's incredible. And what a trip. Um, oh my gosh, if you fancy it, do it. How long does it take? And you can do it within, well, we took it quite slowly because obviously we had the youngsters with us. So we did it over 11 days, but you can do it faster than that. But honestly, it's, um, if the slower you go, the better, better it is because you have to, um, adapt to altitude anyway. In fact, everyone else was fine. Mm -hmm. It was Muggins here that, who was like gung ho, you know, I'm always wanting to go on adventures (laughs) and do strange things for a break instead I don't like beach holidays much you know um, it's not really for me that's all and and the others are like no come on let's chill let's chill I'm like no no let's let's do this so it was my 50th it was three years ago so my 50th I, I, and my husband said all right then let's go let's go to Everest Space Camp and do that walk and so I'm all like gung-ho gung-ho and it was me that had to slow down because I had altitude sickness oh my goodness <laughs> so they were like laughing <laughs> so that mean that just means that you have to stay in a village a bit longer okay so then you you zig you zigzag up so that your body gets time to feel less oxygen in the air and then you go back down and sleep down in a lower village and then you go up again to the next village and then go a bit higher but you sleep a bit lower if you know what yeah I, mean. I didn't realize you did it like that. i had no i presumed mm. if you're climbing a mountain you just keep going up <laughs> no, no 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 so yeah totally and, it, and you know it's a trail you don't get lost because it's a trail and there was like at one point there was an 81 year old walking the trail oh. so it's completely doable and the the best thing is that the, the Nepalese people really welcome you there because they um the economy is you know needs needs the the, the tourist dollar and um and you know all the talk about all the rubbish and stuff on Everest well I didn't go up to the top the heights besides which they've they've, they've been spending so much time and and love on the on Everest to, to get to get recycling centers okay. and keep it clear and it's beautiful ah. so don't if you think if you're listening to this and you, you fancy doing it do it it's absolutely life-changing That's, so um, and, and the beautiful. kids weren't they were good at just getting on with it and 
getting, getting through all the walking and well, they, they do it in chunks so you you do like on average about two or three hours in the mm-hmm. morning and then you stop and have chips for lunch Perfect. <laughs> if if chips you want or dal bar which is like lentils and chips. rice yeah or, or pizza <laughs> yeah. um and then and then you walk another two or three hours amazing in the afternoon, there's there's one day where it was really, really a slog. Oh my gosh, it was such a slog. It was nine hours. And that's to get up to the Namch Bazaar, which is the highest Sherpa mm-hmm. village in the Himalaya on the way to Everest. And um, that was a slog. It was like, are we there yet? Mm. Even the adults were like, are we there yet? And the Sherpas would be like, yes, yes, almost there. Wow. But you wouldn't be almost there at all. That's an amazing but it was, thing. To it do. was beautiful because. You see all the uh, juniper bushes and rhododendron forests. The, the, basically, the terrain changes um, every few hours. The terrain changes and the weather changes. So you've got sometimes it's absolutely beautiful and bright and hot. And then sometimes it be dark and grey and the cloudy. And then sometimes it'd be torrential monsoon rain. So it, mm. And then, you know, sometimes you'd be in, in jungle kind of thing and rainforest and sometimes you'd be in complete like moonscapes it's it's so wow. and then you see the kumbu icefall like the glass not the icefall but the glacier so if you've never seen a glacier before you're like you know like i've been reading all these books so i'm like oh my god that's the kumbu glacier yeah. and it's turquoise and you can hear you, if you like music or sounds you can hear the the dripping of the melting glacier and the little trickles of the rock creeks coming under the ice down the mountains and you're just you're just immersed in this these beautiful sounds god that sounds absolutely magical and how nice to share it as a family like that and do something really special for a big birthday that's actually very inspiring yeah. i might have to look at that so and I, I sorry to skip a little bit i was thinking that when as a musician when people ask me if my kids are musical i'm always a bit like It's a bit of an obvious question, but given that you've grown up surrounded by music and Welsh culture is so much about song and singing without even really thinking about it. It's just a thing that that happens um, in terms of like you're you're encouraged to do it. Like we don't have that so much in England. If if you're singing, it's a bit of a like, oh, we're going to do a song now. But I think in Welsh culture, it's it's storytelling, it's family, it's all of that from 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 when you're tiny. Um, is that something you have encouraged with your kids? Yeah, well, I try to, but it's it's like, you know, I love the story of Tom Jones. Um, he says he started singing when he was a babe in arms. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's very, Sorry. it's very, un- can, you imagine, of... can you imagine? It's not unusual <laughs> to be a baby, give him a bottle to be loved by anyone. Shut up, like, baby. Wow. <laughs> like going from like wah into like a little like whoa yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love that just another kiss uh, yeah put so, a bottle yeah, in no. it Tom <laughs> isn't it, isn't it? Oh, yeah make him shush now um, yeah it's, it's something that is that you're so unselfconscious about it because it's literally that that's that's one of the most sort of valuable things I, I took out of my sort of culture and upbringing but I brought up my children in West London and um, yeah, apart from like filling the house with, with yeah, music and, instruments and, stuff. Um, and and they all love music but then like yeah a lot of people ask about you know are your children musical I think all children yeah, are musical that's actually what I say yeah. as well they are music until until they until they get self-conscious yeah. or they're taught that so um, but I, um, in fact they, they I really because one of the most 
um, valuable things to me is is the, you know the, the fact I went to chapel three times on a Sunday with three my mom, times. Um, which yeah, yes, three times it used to be on a Sunday, and that was fine because we'd have orange mm. squash and and cakes and, and other kids to play around mm, with. Nice. So it was actually quite yeah. fun. But within that, there was all the singing and all the and then if you get bored with a hymn, you could just sing your heart out and figure out all the harmonies, which is what I used to do. Um, God knows what the bloody noise would have been like. I don't know, but anyway, I loved it. I was I was having fun, um, and Mum was happy because we we'd come with her, yeah. you know. So anyway. I wanted to sort of be able to make sure that the children grew up and learn all this repertoire yeah. without having having to learn yeah. it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just learn by osmosis. Yeah. And um, very, my husband's Catholic, so their children went to school through, are, are going to school through the Catholic system, and the school happens to have one of the best choirs in in the country. Wow. So they're learning. They're not learning the Welsh hymns, alas, but they are learning you know, Benjamin Britten and Mozart and um ancient liturgy and they're and they're singing like Purcell in the in the shower. And this is a state school as well. And I'm so happy about that because the, you know, to learn by osmosis is much better than having to you oh, know yeah. having to do it forcibly. Yes, absolutely. And I think for me with my kids, I don't mind what they do for a living at all. But I I would love it if music was always a friend of theirs because for me it's just been a place that I can always turn to no matter what's going on and it gives me so much it's like just such an amazing emotional outlet for me music so I would I would love it if they always have that friend in it too yeah no absolutely there's nothing better is there and and you know when you when you have a shared experience as well with music, like exactly what you do. But if you've got a playlist, I mean, I like Jimmy Smith, A Christmas, Louis Armstrong, Mahalia Jackson, Jimmy mm. Smith, all of these, Nat King Cole, yeah. uh, the, you know, Ella Fitzgerald. You bring them out, and oh, that oh I my know. gosh, talk about packaging up life in such a splendid padded cushion. Yeah. It's amazing what music I know, does, and it joins the dots of all the other times you've heard them as well. It's like a little loop through time which I think is really really yeah. magical yeah. I'm really conscious of your time I've only got a couple more things to ask you one of them is um are you the sort of mother that you thought you would be mm, probably not <laughs> um <laughs> definitely not the mother I, I wanted to be you know because 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 of because I'm also really I love working as well I think I realized that quite quickly I love my babies I love them so much but also loved having that space and peace to be able to keep driving in inside, you know, music and writing and art. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, I think we're brought up thinking that we should be the, the, the happy all the time mum that is always there, that is fat and cuddly and um, cooks great bread and, and cheesy, whatever, lasagna and things always ready and always understanding and always patient and never shouts and I'm definitely not that mum no. <laughs> you know I have baked I was baking sourdough in lockdown like a million people and getting a bit obsessed with that but that's now that's dead long dead <laughs> the mother the mother <laughs> my, in the fridge my sourdough my sourdough stuff is oh. long I've got a little bit in the freezer that's that what I'm, Richard you know, did. does it work cyber cyber what, what's it called when you freeze Freeze, you know, Austin Power, like you know what? I just cyber freeze. I don't know, thing. and I just kept getting confused every time he talked about the mother in the fridge. I was just, it just. <laughs> well, my mother's in the freezer. <laughs> I right think we've now, got a couple of mothers I think in I there. could. Yeah, 
We had the sourdough yes. though, the same thing. Um, I don't yeah. know if that mother exists. The, that, I think that really eternally wholesome patient. Um, I aspire, but I don't, I don't hit my targets very often with that yeah. either. You can't win. You can't win either because you, if you're too soft, you get you, you you get you know you said oh well you're not disciplining them enough. They need structure. Mm. If you're too hard, oh you're too hard. Mm. I'm like oh, oh you can't no. win. You're like well what what the hell am I meant to be no. doing? <laughs> I think basically by the time you learn how to become the best parent you can be. The children are like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're about to leave the home. They've but left. then you also realise that, <laughs> and you're like, hang on a minute, come back. Yeah, 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 come back. Can we rehash come some back. of those previous conversations we had in the moments? I'm feeling in the right mood for it yeah, now. Exactly. I know, but I think I did read exactly. something that said, you know, good, good enough is actually is good. That's that that does that does work. Um, and I think I think also just you know, as you get older, you you know, you look at your own parents and you see them in 360 and you could, you know, if, if they were this sort of like very neat version of, of a parent when you were small, you might get older and then realise, oh, but what did they have for themselves? And actually that's the bit where you can build on for the next bit. Like that's really special. You kind of want them to be having, you want your parents to have a life outside of just being your parent. Otherwise, what happens when, you, when you're not there? Like that can probably be tricky too. And, and that nobody can be perfect, nah. which actually brings us right back to where we started back to Dylan Thomas which is all about warts and all yes like nobody is absolutely perfect. so there's a bit there's a bit yeah. in it um that the Reverend Eli Jenkins says I'm gonna, if you bear with me while I find out I'm at the beginning no, you find it I've got my book here too it. I want to find okay so there's this is oh it's such um it's a beautiful song for one from under milkwood um and I, I, it's Reverend Eli Jenkins, and he's reciting this as dusk arrives in the little village, and they're they're all getting ready for the night ahead and to settle down into to the next night's sleep. So at the doorway of Bethesda House, the Reverend Jenkins recites to Theregapil, his sunset poem. We are not wholly bad or good, who live our lives under milkwood. And thou, I know, will be the first to see our best side, not our worst. Or let us see another day, bless us all this night, I pray. And to the sun we all will bow and say goodbye, but just for now. Oh, well, that's pretty perfect, isn't it? Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. It really is. So that's... And it is uh, what's lovely about it as well. It's as I said, it's quite naughty <laughs> as well. So there's a, there's a few pub scenes because because obviously in Under Milkwood there's loads of characters that you would uh, you know one would recognise from wherever you live. Mm -hmm. You know you've got womanizers, you've got drunkards, you've got the hard workers, you've got the ones that don't want to work at all. You've got the the neat mm. freak, you've got the dreamers, you've got everyone yeah. in there. The you know the older generation, the younger generation, and you've got the ones that are, you know find a little too much solace in the bottle of a, a bottle um and then you and you've got this scene so cherry owen is one example of the characters that that does drink rather a lot too much <laughs> in fact um as we can hear from this scene this again is is dusk time um so cherry owen sober a sunday 
as he is every day of the week, goes off happy as Saturday to get drunk as a deacon as he does every night. Evening, Cherry. Evening, Sinbad. What'll you have? Too much. <laughs> Shh. So the narrator goes, <laughs> Dusk is drowned forever until tomorrow. It is all at once night now. And then it goes on. Anyway, so no, it's 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 tremendous. I, I I'm so excited about sharing uh, stories about people who are reading this story to their children yes, for the first well, time. Yeah. I mean, this is the whole point of this book is to introduce a new, fresh <laughs> blood to the to the story and to see what they make of it and what bits they love. There's a like a fish sleeping in the sea that needs to be found by a toddler okay. as well. So yeah, let let me know um, what your youngest. I will definitely do that. I will give you some feedback. And in the meantime, thank you so much. Congratulations on the book, and I look forward to hearing all the shows that you are currently putting together. They will be in our in our kitchen over <laughs> the next few weeks. And um, well, I hope you approve, oh, Sophie. And thanks so much it. for the time as well. Yeah, same the, here. And the lovely chat. I will say goodbye, but just for now. <laughs> See what I mean? How lovely is that? Yeah, it's so nice to talk to Keris and um, catch up and think about the parallels. But also, what an interesting life and that bit of living on our own in the cabin. I mean, golly, I can imagine that that's quite a formative experience. But then once you've come the other side of it and you're sort of 20 years on and you're in your family home with all your teenagers around you, it must feel like a very strange sort of memory, like a dream you had once. <laughs> Um, but I also think it's so brave to do things like that. Sometimes we need to do things like that. I've never really been brave enough, I don't think. Always surrounding myself with people. In fact, when I was a kid, I always thought I'd live in another country for a while, and I just never did. I think that's probably one of the things I would have liked to have done. I mean, I know I'm lucky enough to travel, but I literally live 10 minutes from the house I grew up in. Well, from when I was 10. And the house where we grew up is only another 10 minutes away from the area I grew up when I was before that, so... I haven't really been too bold in that regard. Anyway, that's what happened to me, and I'm happy with that. And, yeah, I hope uh, I hope the rest of your day goes all right, or or if, if you're listening to me at night, I hope I've soothed you to slumber. You're probably fast asleep by now. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm going to make an attempt to get on with the rest of my to-do list, which uh, I don't normally write it down, but I had to today because there's just things that I can't, I can't, I can't put off till tomorrow. So, yeah, I'm going to go and tackle all that and hopefully have some replies from all my many, many emails I sent out yesterday and the day before um, for nice, amazing, lovely guests to introduce you to or for you to hear more from. And in the meantime, actually, I don't want to boast, but I'm sat in the room I often speak to you from, which is my four-year-old son bedroom slash my dressing room. So I'm surrounded by clothes which has made it inadvertently a very good room for sound because I've basically deadened any sort of like extra audio by surrounding myself with up like tons and tons of clothing. <laughs> um, but I've also been going through like organising my drawers and stuff. Have you been doing any of that? It's, a, it's almost like I've gone into like a spring cleaning mode, but in January. I've even done things like go through all my tights, all my tights, like I know where all the tights are, like if I want a pattern tight, if I want a black opaque uh, I know where everything is now. All my pants are in a certain place, my socks, my bras. I mean, maybe you live like this anyway, but I was a bit more shambolic. 
and I've gone through all my jumpers and my jeans and my T-shirts. I know, you're probably like, big wow, that's what I do anyway. But for me, this is another step towards adulthood. <laughs> um, anyway, I want a pat on the back and I want you to keep me going because I don't know about you, but when I'm in a mood to organise and sort, I've just got to leap on that because before I know it, I will regress back to my natural lazy state. And as I say that sentence, my eyes rested on a huge pile of clothes on a chair opposite me that I haven't bothered with for at least a week. So maybe that's on my to-do list as well. And thank you as always for lending me your ears. I hope you have a really lovely rest of your week and I will bring you another sparkling guest next week. Lots of love. See you soon. Bye. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.